Hello, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today is Persecution Press. Very long time since I, since I've done this episode. Um, so I really want to share some stories that I found on the internet in different countries um, that are going through some persecution. So uh, jump into the trenches with me and let us experience this. You know, it's funny, we don't hear about uh, Afghanistan on the news lately, as far as I'm concerned. UN struggles to create options for collapsing Afghanistan. United Nations officials have raised alarm regarding the UN's ability to uh, get enough money into Afghanistan to deliver much-needed humanitarian aid for millions of Afghans. Afghans on the brink of starvation amid the collapsing economy. Okay, for one, the UN is not giving them food. They're not giving them resources. They're not going to give them food or water or anything they absolutely need. They are actually de- like giving them weapons, tanks, every in order to take over America. That's what I believe. And listen, if you are in Afghanistan and you are a decent person I have no problem with you I have a problem with the Taliban taking over Afghanistan all right and the UN funding it let's see collapsing economy according to an anonymous official uh, there is dire need for a political solution and sanctions relief, as well as for governments to free up billions of dollars of Afghan assets that are being held overseas. The crisis is brought on by the Taliban takeover of the country in the fall of the Western-backed Afghan government. Following the withdrawal of the United States, which was the dumbest thing in the world, and allied forces from Afghanistan in August. Organizations uh, around the world have raised severe concerns about this. Several er, at-risk communities in Afghanistan who will be targeted by the Taliban regime. Christians are first and foremost uh, the most at-risk community of faith that need extra attention from the international community to safeguard their uh, existence. The community numbers roughly between 8,000 to 12,000 believers, most of them converts from Islam to Christianity. Due to their conversion, the Taliban um, considers them apostate and subject to death due to the choice to leave Islam. Any person who tries to um, argue that, um, please don't, I'm, I'm not convinced. Okay, listen, if you're Muslim, if you you practice Islam, and you're a good person, like I said, God bless you. I love you, alright? But if you're a terrorist who believes in extreme Islam, I'm not your friend, okay? The Taliban's extreme interpretation of Islam and Sharia law command harsh punishments for those who do not adhere to this law. Uh, Christians were regularly targeted by the Taliban before and after the U.S. invasion, as well as in the subsequent weeks and months of the U.S. withdrawal. Many Christians received threatening phone calls and other forms of threats as the Taliban assumed control of the country. Western governments have done little to help these at-risk populations, which much left to be done. Uh, The looming hunger crisis and collapsing economy are existential threats to the Christian community that will likely not be prioritized by the Taliban's distribution of aid. The United States and the Western countries must must ensure that Christians and other religious minorities are not targeted by the Taliban and must hold all foreign aid that 
uh, may enter the country with strict conditions on the Taliban's conduct. Human rights must command the agenda of all engagement with the Taliban leadership. Yeah, that's not going to happen because, like I said, the UN, the United States government, have decided to actually give them our guns, give them our tanks, give them our weaponry in order for the United States to be taken over as well. Um, you can take it or leave it. You don't have to believe it. That's my opinion. That's what I believe. I don't believe that this government that uh, I am unfortunately under at the moment has any regard for the people of America or the people in Afghanistan, especially the Christians in Afghanistan that are suffering right now. So um, I'm not sorry for what I say. The president is stupid. Joe Biden is stupid. He should not have extracted the troops. He should not have extracted the U.S. Army that were deployed there. And I know that we've been fighting this war for a very long time. Please understand that I care about my troops and all of that. I understand that. But the way that he did it, the way that he just pulled out the troops was so messy and it has left so many people vulnerable to the Taliban. It was the most irresponsible thing he could have ever done. And I do not and shall not stop talking about it because it was dumb. I don't know how. Okay, never mind. I do because he cheated on the election. We all know that. But listen, I don't know how he's still in office. He needs to be impeached. The man needs to just not be around. He does not need to exist. I, I cannot tell you how much I do not like Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, uh, Nancy Pelosi, Maxine Waters, the Clintons, Fauci, and um, Mike Pence, who also sold out to the Democrats, or else, you know, Trump would have won. So yes, I named them all, don't like you all, and y'all need to not be in the White House, you irresponsible children who are still holding grudges uh, from high school because you guys weren't popular, you guys were laughed at, and, you know, you just never were kissed in high school, you never were kissed unless you were whoring out to, um, you know, people in Hollywood. So, you know, yes, I'm done. I'm done with my rant. Maybe. If I can find something else, I'll definitely say something. Nope, I'm done. Now, if you are new here, um, we talk a lot about India and what, you know, India is going through. We've talked a lot about the anti-conversion laws that are going on in their country, and uh, today is no different. We will be talking about that because witnesses spike, or sorry, state witnesses spike in attacks on Indian Christians following announcement of anti-conversion law. So this is on the 28th of this year um, from the ICC. A 45-year-old Ramya was one of the five Christians brutally attacked by radical Hindu nationalists on October 17, 2021. When Christians arrived at church that morning, they found a Hindu monk uh, joined by about a hundred Hin Hindutva um, activists were already inside the church chanting nationalist slogans and the activists forced the worshippers to a nearby police station resulting in the arrest of uh, Pastor Sumu um, Alwadi. Um, a mob of men surrounded and beat me inside the police station, Ramya told the ICC. The mob told me that they will crucify me like Jesus was crucified. The mob took four Christians out of the police station premises and brutally beat them with iron rods and wooden clubs. Um, this incident is just one among 
many that Christians in India, Karnataka state, are um, enduring in recent weeks. The recent spike in persecution can be attributed to the law um, that the BJP-led government uh, wants to enact this uh, in the state. On September 29th, Karn- Karnataka uh, Chief Minister B.C. Uh, Bomai announced his plan to enact um, an anti-conversion law in Karnataka. I'll get the hang of saying that. Um, speaking about the incident that led to his arrest, Pastor Alwadi said, I go to church to worship. Uh, never have I converted anyone. I worship a God whom I like. I did not do harm to anyone. I do force, I'm sorry, I don't force anyone for anything. Um, Pastor Manjuntas, let me say that again. Pastor Manjunath, okay. Pastor Manjunath and his congregation were also attacked by radical Hindu nationalists on October 17th. According to local sources, the radicals took Bibles and Christian songbooks from the church and chased the congregation out of the church building. A case was booked against Pastor Man, Manjunath, okay, on charges of forces of forced conversion activities and he was also sent to jail um this is part of the larger plan of the hindu radicals pastor manjunath uh told icc their local units have become more active and very aggressive and could achieve what's what is going on it will be very dangerous for christians in our state manjunath's uh, daughter, Anusha, uh, was also a victim of the October 17th incident. She told ICC, we were, uh, we called the police thinking that they would come to protect us. When the police arrived, they started to beat us all and all the congregants in the church hall. We had no one to help, um, and come to our aid. As the BJP-led government prepares to enact the anti-conversion law, Christians in uh, uh, Hubli organized a peaceful protest. Over 6,000 Christians participated in the rally, holding uh, placards and shouting slogans against the increasing attacks forced by the Christian minority. Pastor Sunil uh, Mahade uh, convener of the protest told ICC there is direct connection between increased incidents of persecution and the government's announcement of bringing the anti-conversion law. The uh, proposed anti-conversion law is unconstitutional and it violates the right to freedom of faith. There is absolutely no need for this law. There is are, there are enough clauses in the existing constitution to deal with forced and, or fraudulent conversions. The proposed anti-conversion law is nothing but a legal permit for radical and Hindu nationalists to attack and harass religious minorities. Pastor Mahade continued, We are mobilizing uh, statewide support against the law, and we have been receiving a good response. While Karnataka uh, has still not enacted a the promised anti-conversion law, many radical nationalists on the ground are acting as if the law already exists. The increase in attacks across Karnataka um, has many Christians concerned about what will happen if the anti-conversion law is enacted. Um, in states where similar anti-conversion laws are enacted, including Odisha, Madhya Pradesh, um, Arun Chal Pradesh, oh lord, forgive me if I mispronounce these names, anyway, uh, Chitsigarth, I don't need, Gura, Gura, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. 
Why do I do these if I can't pronounce them? Gujarat, um, Jakarind, um, Himachal Pradesh, and Uttarakhand. Um, they all wide. They are all widely abused. Um, radical nationalists falsely accuse Christians of forcefully um, converting individuals to Christianity to justify harassment and assault. Local police often overlook violence perpetuated against Christians due to false accusations of the forced conversion. Okay, this other one is from Nepal, so um, it says two elderly nuns in Nepal arrested on false charges. Okay, um, International Christian Concern Reports has learned that two elderly nuns on, in Nepal were arrested on, in September for allegedly violating the country's controversial anti-conversion law. So there's, okay, yeah, that makes sense because Nepal's right next to India. Um, despite more than a month passing since their arrest, uh, the nuns remain in uh, detention awaiting trial. On September 14th, Sister Gemma Lucia Kim and Sister Martha Park were arrested and charged with, uh, uh, how is that word said? Pros? Prolist, prolistizing and conversion activities. Uh, the nuns run a facility called the Happy Home for Poor Slum Children in Pokhara, located 200 kilometers from Kathmandu, right? I don't have my glasses on, give me a second. Yeah, it's Kathmandu. Okay. This facility provides housing, food, education, medical services, and professional um, trainings to approximately 120 children. The nuns were kept in police custody until September 27th uh, when they were moved to a district prison. Local church leaders had filed for the nuns to be released on bail, but hearings on this application have been um, delayed due to Hindu holidays. Okay. Bishop Paul Simic, apost uh, apostolic vicar of um, Nepal, believes that the allegations against the nuns were baseless and unjust. The two have been dedicating themselves totally to the poor uh, for many years, Bishop Simic said in a statement, aid to the church in need. Uh, this act reveals not only bigotry on the part of those who accuse the sisters, but also ignorance of the needs of the poor. Uh, the Catholic community sees this event as an attack on minority communities with an intent to criminalize missionary activities. Bishop Simic uh, continued, the sisters' uh, initiatives such as social services, education, and medical care are seen as a bait for conversion. Prosilization. I have no idea. That's a new word to me. Prosil proselytization I am not in my right mind today to be doing this but I'm going to do it anyways I am very exhausted but I wanted to get something else so I'm sorry I'm sorry for babbling you guys don't care about my personal issues let me just read this um Procilization, we're just gonna say that, I know it's wrong, is considered a criminal offense on Nepal, or in Nepal. The process of criminalizing religious conversion began in 2015 when Nepal adopted a new con constitution under Article 26, Section 3 of the new constitution. No person shall behave, act, or 
make others act to disturb public law and order situation or convert a person of one religion to another or disturb the religion of other people, such as, or such an act shall be punished by law. In August 2018, the Nepalese government um, enacted this controversial portion of the new constitution when it was added to the country's criminal codes under these new laws, an individual found guilty of um, even encouraging religious conversions can be fined up to 50,000 rupees and placed in prison for up to five years. William Stark, ICC's regional manager for South Asia, said, We here at the ICC concerned by the arrests of Sister Kim and Sister Park these sisters have been arrested simply because their religious identity and their heart for the poor in Nepal. Um, the arrests also bring into question the future of religious freedom in Nepal. Since the new constitution was adopted in 2015, Nepalese um, Christians have been concerned at the, at that Article 26 is enacting laws uh, would be used to or and its enacting laws would be used to target their community. Today, Nepalese um, Christians have, uh, again, have seen their fears realized. Nepal's sweeping anti-conversion law must be rep repealed if religious freedom is truly a right to be enjoyed by the country's citizens. Alright, I got some news from Nigeria. So it says, 40 Nigerian Christians killed in coordinated attack. Okay, wow, okay, there is a... I hope you guys can hear it. I'm gonna turn it all the way up, so... There's a video that I want you guys to listen to, so... Um, all of my Nigerian um, listeners, most of it is probably going to be in Nigerian, but... Let's just see. You are probably familiar with the Old Testament story of Gideon. For seven years, the Midianites were attacking Israel and destroying their crops and stealing their land and killing them. And this went on and on. And then finally, they cried out to God and he sent a, a helper, a fighter for them. And his name was Gideon. Well, there is a modern-day Midianite assault going on, and that's in Nigeria. And for 20 years, the Midianites, which are actually the Fulanis, the Islamic Fulani militants, have been attacking Christians at an unbelievable pace. And so they've killed, we don't really know, 50,000, 70,000, some huge number. And they've also stolen the farms of about 2 million Christians. About 2 million Christians are displaced. And, you know, the Christians have been crying crying out and crying out. In September, there was a recent attack. There's attacks going on all the time, but in September, there was a bigger attack, and it was a coordinated multiple villages at the same time, and they killed about 40-plus Christians. And, you know, we're so fed up with basically the lies of the Nigerian government and the lack of attention on the issue. We sent our staff in to film the funeral of this attack. Some of this is pretty brutal footage, and I'm just going to warn you, but I think it's needed. I think it's important. We just have to wake people up and so they can actually see what's going on. So take Take a look at this footage. themselves to go out and attack the villagers around the Christian village villages then they will come back and stay in the town and the security that we are asked to take care of that environment they know that quite all right and the reason is most of the securities there mostly are Muslims because they will not allowed to send a Christian security around that place 
in order to take good care of their Muslim brothers. So that is the problem that Christians are facing today. No, they are protecting the, the Muslims and the Fulanis that are in Zango, Kajab, local government, or in Zango town itself. Then, leaving our people in the, in the mercy hands of God. And these hate men and the Fulanis, they will go into the villages and fight and fight and come out. We will never see security until after a day or two days, when they have finished everything, killing people, burning houses, then they will march out. Before the is coming in, even when the security will come, they will not even stay up to 30 minutes. They will pack their things again and go away. But inside Zango and around Zango town, where the Muslims are living, they have tight security around them so that nobody will come in to attack them. Which means these facts, to me personally, are not against the government. But these facts that I have on ground is making me to think that the government has harm in what is happening on the Christian brothers in our country and in our local government and in the Nigerian government is constantly lying about these attacks. This has gone on for 20 years. And there's one thing they always say, and this is a conflict between herders and farmers. It's really beyond us. It's so difficult. My gosh, a difficult problem. We're doing the best we can. That's what they say over and over to our government and to your government, wherever you are. And honestly, that's just not the truth. So think about this. Can you imagine in your country where killing of innocents has gone on. It's not a tit for tat. It's not a. It's not a gang war. It's a one-sided killing that goes on for 20 years. 50,000 people have been murdered in these attacks, and two million people have been pushed out of their homes. Can you imagine that? Where government constantly says, "Gosh, we're doing our best." But does that fly? Would that work in your country? It doesn't work in the states. It doesn't work anywhere. But it seems to work in Nigeria, and it works in Washington D.C. When they come and spout these lies, the government in Washington. Kind of says, yeah, well, okay, well, I understand. Now, that's actually starting to change in Washington. People are actually starting to wake up and to see the religious angle in this and to see that, wait a minute, this is either incompetence or it's something worse. The truth is that the Nigerian government is either completely incompetent or they're aiding and abetting the attackers. And both of those things are true. You know, we've seen at times where the government forces are actually helping the attackers. They'll say, oh, well, there's a curfew, you can't go outside. Or they surround an area of villages and let the attackers in. And there's a reason for that. Look, for, for the longest time in Nigeria, and we're going way back, that the military and the police are mostly controlled by Muslims. And that's just by design. And that's the deal. And so for 20 years now, they have turned a blind eye towards attacks on Christians. But now get this. If Christians ever rise up to defend themselves, and this has happened a couple times, let's say a Christian village gets so sick of this and they get some arms and they fight back. Do you know what happens? Do you know what's happened in the past? The Nigerian government instantly sends in helicopter gunships and starts shooting up the Christian village. Now that's strange. As soon as there's a Christian response, there's an instant response from the government. And that's just one marker. That's just one clue to what's going on. And again, it's that the Nigerian government is purposefully not doing anything, has not done anything for 20 years. This recent attack that we showed you the footage from, that is, that is absolutely heartbreaking. But it's just one of many and 50 to 70,000 murdered Christians have gone before them. And again, the Nigerian government does nothing. And what the people need, they're crying out, and what the people need is a Gideon. And unfortunately, since the Nigerian government will do nothing or is even helping sometimes, that Gideon basically is you, and it's me. And so what do we do? What's our responsibility? I think it's to love them in their pain, to take care of them in their pain, and also to protect them to the best of our ability. And that means we call our politicians and we say, this is untenable. This cannot stand. Please do something. Put pressure on the government. I love his passion. I love uh, his unconditional love for them. Um, as far as him saying, giving them advice, giving us advice to um, call our politicians. America is at the point the American government is at the point where it just does not want to listen to you. I'm not saying don't try. Go ahead and try. I always want people to try. But I am... I'm losing hope in America. I, I shouldn't say that, but I'm losing hope in the American government. I don't trust them anymore. 
But in Nigeria, Fulani militants have been attacking Christian communities and stealing their farmland for years. In September, uh, we received word about um, about a particularly devastating attack that killed at least 40 Christians. Um, in that video, I saw the dead bodies laying there um, on the floor. Um, I am enraged right now. I'm so upset. Um, in the midst of these attacks, the Nigerian government uh, continues to spin the narrative that they are doing the best they can, but that uh, the conflict is beyond their control. In reality, in most cases, the government is either incompetent or aiding and abetting the attackers. Meanwhile, the Nigerian church is crying out. Please join us in prayer and for efforts to raise awareness on behalf of Nigerian suffering church today. Yes, God. Mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I'm upset. I'm upset, but okay. We need some good news in persecution press now. So, former drug lord now uses music to spread the gospel. Um, I love this. 27-year-old Andrew Sivem um, was a drug addict for 10 years before finding Christ. He was a powerful drug dealer on the outskirts of Kampala, Uganda, um, and recruited many young boys and girls to use substances he supplied. I discovered numerous strategies of substance trade, Andrew told ICC in a recent sit-down um, interview. I was a police target and the enemy of other drug lords. I was walking in the shadows among the exiled to avoid being jailed. Um, however, uh, Andrew says that the Lord never gave up on him. Night after night, he began to have powerful, terrifying dreams while he couldn't understand their meaning. Uh, he called out to Jesus Christ. Uh, I was terrified and crying, seeing myself perishing, he said, but the glory uh, be to God who gives life to the dead. I'm, I'm sorry, can I? I want to I wanna say something right now. I have no idea why. Maybe it's just because I'm an American. Maybe it's just because I'm used to um, certain things being said in such a passionate and poetic way. But people in different countries, let me tell you, especially in Africa, anybody, you, you hear a song, you hear them sing, you hear them talk about God, and it is the most refreshing and most beautiful and most brand new thing you have ever heard in your entire life. And it's just a brand new like branch of Christianity that they have. They have just such a passionate way of describing in words how much they love God and how much God has done for them. And I just want to say that I appreciate their words. Their words do not go unheard because I hear it and I smile. I'm full of joy hearing this stuff. And I, I'm not going to apologize. A lot of the time I will apologize for being so expressive, but I'm not going to apologize this time. This is incredible. This is beautiful. He says, but glory be to God who gives life to the dead. God who gives life to the dead. I've never heard it said that way. The only name I called out loudly for help was Jesus Christ. Eventually, I heard a voice like running water carrying life within itself. I'm speechless. You guys have such a beautiful way of describing describing Jesus Christ and how he speaks. This isn't the first time I've encountered somebody uh, from a different country that has described something like this. This is just, ah, uh, it's magnifique. 
I'm sorry. Just the way they they express how much they love God in such different words. It's beautiful. It's poetic. I love it.、Uh, eventually, I heard a voice like running water carrying life within itself. Is that not our God? Is that not our Jesus Christ? Is that not our Savior? They recognize God much more than other people can. I don't know why. I mean, compared to America, we have Hillsong United and and all of these charismatic preachers that just want money out of your pocket. And I'm sure that they have, you know, preachers like that there. But you talk to a Christian from a different country one on one, they will spark your fire just by having a conversation with you. That is such a gift. Even though Jesus had rescued him from his dreams, Andrew decided to convert to Islam, and eventually changed his name to Muhammad. However, he still couldn't get peace of mind and continued selling drugs. Finally, in 2017, a pastor came to the slum where Andrew was working. Still, Andrew was surrounded by his gang and knew the dangers involved in converting to Christianity. For the gangs, it is a total abomination to become a Christian, he said. Andrew made an appointment to see the preacher, under the disguise of night, and the following Sunday decided to go to church. I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, and from that moment, I've never been back to my old life.、Um, eventually, Andrew was designated as a full-time worship leader. Ah, my gift of singing manifested itself.、Um, God is a miracle worker, and He assembled me. Before people who supported me, Andrew, you're gonna make me cry. Listen, your story is just—it's speaking to me. Andrew said that he has continued walking on a good journey、uh, with Christ, and even began to evangelize the gospel in the ghetto streets and schools. I'm blessed to have this life," he said. "It feels so good to have a position of serving the Lord rather than serving as a drug lord." Andrew's dream is to preach the word through the word of mouth and through music. A friend lent him a room to use as a music studio to reduce the risk of being attacked through the street preaching.、Um, however, he had yet to record due to a lack of musical equipment. Earlier this month, ICC fulfilled Andrew's music dream by buying him an iMac computer, speakers, headphones,、um, headsets, amplifiers, and other、uh, supplies needed to begin recording. Oh, this is why I love God. This is why I love people who love God. They are just a, a and a constant and consistent blessing to each other, and it just keeps going in a chain reaction, and it's beautiful.、Um, brother, he said to ICC's Uganda representative when receiving the equipment, I thought this was a joke, and could not believe this until I have seen. Let me、uh, hope that I am not dreaming、uh, that we are purchasing all of this or that. Yeah, that we are purchasing all of this for me. He added, "May God bless you. I am seeing God's hand in my life." Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm having such a good time reading this.、Um, it's indeed a blessing to serve God. God bless you, Andrew. I hope. I hope one day I will be able to listen to your music. Post it somewhere. I want to hear it. ICC. Uh, persecution. dot org. I want to see an update from this man. I want to hear him sing. Okay, okay. I love y'all. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto thee. While eyes are on Afghanistan, brutality against Christians increases in Pakistan. The ICC reports Christians in Pakistan claim the brutalities against their minority is increasing daily. 
private Facebook groups are filled with video evidence that Christians are under constant duress from the Muslim majority. Um, posts show injuries of entire families attacked by radicals and captions say that uh, neither Christian girls nor Christian uh, settlements or places of worship are safe. Many um, members of these groups continue calling the government to protect their right of, to religious freedom, but their advocacy seems to be in vain. Um, several comments criticize Prime Minister er, er, Imran Khan for promising religious freedom protection without action. Um, one commenter stated that Pakistani Christians are in a worse position than dogs. Another asked, where are all Western countries who are so involved for Afghans to give them safe passage, but no one cares about Christians in Pakistan? Other members post reminders that God alone uh, will save their community. One post claimed that three out of four churches in Karachi's uh, Gichar Nola are destroyed during the recent anti-encroachment um, drive. Last Sunday, Gospel TV World News displayed clips of the members of a church group after being attacked by extremist blood can be seen at the bottoms of the men's uh, shallower uh, Shalwar Kameez, uh, in an attack on September 7th, 2021, on New Hope Church in uh, Shirkat uh, area in Lahore. Uh, five men were injured, including a pregnant woman, and the man was shot twice in the leg. After um, the acts against Christians were aired, peace-loving Muslims offered words of sympathy and agreed that minorities are unsafe in the country. In response to another video about an entire family that was terrorized by radicals in Lahore, a contributor to the private Facebook group wrote, uh, Every day is work. Um, I'm sorry. Every day is work is happening in uh, Pakistan. All... Christian families, God bless you. I will pray for you all. Uh, the family to the video, or the family in the video suffered beatings in the, and the woman's clothes were sliced open. The eldest woman in the footage cried as she explained what happened to her garments and how terrorists nearly killed her. A very, uh, our young male, uh, close to her, stood bleeding from the, from a wound to the back of the head. At this point, some Pakistani believers are trying to find ways out of the country and several Christian leaders have um, inquired how they can emigrate to the United States. According to historian uh, Rogar Ballard, the majority of Christians in Pakistan live in the Punjab uh, providence. Uh, he notes that Pakistani Christians uh, have always carried a negative reputation among majority faiths uh, who reviewed their uh, women as immodest due to their prior British influence. Ballard, Ballard can, continues. As a result, Punjabi Christians um, are still known insultingly uh, as Musali, uh, with the interference that they are still tainted as by the heritage is immoral, how are low caste and permanently polluted uh, eaters of beef. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, incidents of brutality against Christians in Pakistan are increasing and, in and require immediate action. The United States can engage uh, meaningfully on the issue, including my... In by imposing financial consequences like uh, increased sanctions against Pakistani officials who refuse to 
or refuse to act on behalf of minorities within the country. It can also expand immigration quotas for Pakistani Christians who want to live in the United States. Expanding immigration could uh, relieve Christian uh, could relieve Christians, but it uh, would fail to address the fundamental problem of minority persecution for those who stay behind. Therefore, financial consequences should work in tandem with the expansion of in immigration quotas. Uh, through U.S. refugee uh, acceptance is increasing business uh, insider doubts the country will hit its 2021 goal of 62,500. 62, um, there is room for Pakistan Christians uh, here. The U.S. should work to, to identify NGOs uh, who can partner with the Office of Refugee Settle Resettlement to assist Pakistanis with training jobs and housing once they enter the country. Uh, with the influx of Afghan refugees, uh, the task will be complicated. However, the U.S. cannot treat Afghan and Pakistani Christians seeking refuge unequally. Pakistani Christians currently feel abandoned, and the U.S. has the resources to help. This one is from Egypt. I'm trying to make sure that I get a variety of countries for you guys. I think Egypt is listening. So this one's for you, Egypt. Egypt ends four and a half year state of emergency. Uh, this is from the 28th of uh, this month, October. Egyptian President Abdel Fattah el-Sisi uh, lifted the country's state of emergency that has been in effect for four and a half years. Um, the state of emergency was originally declared on uh, April 2017, following several terrorist bombings at churches in Alexandria and Tanta. Since then, the order has renewed quarterly. On October 25th, El Sisi ended the state of emergency, citing stability. Um, in an announcement, El Sisi said, "Egyptian or Egypt, I'm sorry, Egypt has become. This makes no sense. Well, maybe I'm just not seeing it right. I'm sorry. Uh, Egypt has become, thanks to its great people and its loyal men, an oasis of security and stability in the region. Hence, uh, it was." decided for the first time in years to cancel the execution or the extension of the state of emergency in all areas of the country. He continued on saying uh, he wanted to remember the Egyptian martyrs with pride uh, and appreciation because it is thanks to them that we have achieved stability and security. Uh, human rights and groups uh, have criticized the long-standing state of emergency, saying that the additional powers uh, granted to the government allowed for legal manip manipulation of dissenters. Uh, under the state of emergency, indefinite uh, detentions would, uh, without trial, are permitted and places additional limita limitations why can't I talk today I swear to God on public demonstrations and censorship I apologize for having a brain fart towards the end of that but I'm so happy that um, Egypt is no longer in a state of emergency I'm so happy for you guys God bless you Let us take a break because that was a lot. Give yourself a break while I advertise Anchor. 
get yourself something to drink, something to eat, or take a nap. I don't know. I don't know what you do. Do you fall asleep to my voice? I don't know if that's creepy or not, but here's the break! Was that a nice break for y'all? Okay. Oh no. Hubby's texting me. Let us find at least three more stories before um, I, you know, end this podcast. Military coup threatens religious freedom in Sudan. Um, on Monday, October 25th, uh, Sudan's military dissolved its power sharing government and obtained civilian Prime Minister Abdallah Hamdok, uh, hindering the country's progress towards the democratic transition. Uh, since then, protests have erupted in the streets of Sudan, uh, with citizens largely um, demanding the resumption of the government's transition to civilian rule. Uh, reports estimate that eight people have been killed and at least 170 injured. The coup has been met with widespread international uh, condemnation, including the Biden administration suspending $700 million in financial assistance to the country. Biden did that? Are we sure? Uh, for uh, 1,000... Oh, my... Oh, okay. Um, for the 1.97 million Christians living in Sudan, the future is uncertain. Uh, on Tuesday, the chief executive of Release International, Paul Robinson, uh, warned that a window of opportunity towards religious freedom in Sudan could be about to close. Uh, Sudan's transitional constitution adopted in 2019 after the coup that disposed uh, strongman leader Omar al-Bashir Bashir, uh, helped the country make significant strides towards a freer and more open society. Perhaps the most notable feature of the transitional constitution uh, was its lack of appeal to Sharia, to Sharia law, which had previously laid the groundwork of al-Bashir to outlaw apostasy and criminalize blasphemy against Islam. The U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom in a D.C.-based government uh, commission takes with studying and advancing religious freedom around the world, visited Sudan in 2020. It met with Prime Minister Abdallah Ham Ham Hamdok uh, and determined that this government had ended for the former regime's most uh, egregious forms of religious repression and reaffirmed its commitment to substantive substanti substantive change uh, for the military remains in control progress towards religious freedom in Sudan will likely be halted if not reversed let me say that again in military remains in control progress towards religious freedom in Sudan will likely be halted if not reversed Wow. We fear that the government controlled by the military will roll back all these constitutional changes, including guarantees of religious freedom, he said. Uh, senior analyst on freedom of religion and sub-Saharan Africa, uh, Ilya Dijadi from Open Doors. Let's see. The... News is disturbing, added Yasin, a Open Doors director for East Africa. We call on Christians around the world to join us in praying for Sudan at this time. The country has come a long way since former dictator 
Mar al-Bashir's rule has ended. Uh, the risk of military takeover will be a step backwards with potentially grave consequences for the church. Wow. Alright, here's another one, guys. Another NGO condemns Algeria for continued detention of uh, Christian convert. Algeria, from uh, International Christian Concern, read yesterday Amnesty International, a renowned secular human rights watchdog group, condemned the sentence of Faudi Faudil Bahul. I'm so sorry if I do not pronounce your name right. I'm I'm agitated at myself for not pronouncing it right, but um Faudhil Bahul Balul okay. An Algerian Christian convert uh, convicted under laws regulating non Muslim worship. This condemnation of the Algerian government uh, comes at a time when religious freedom continues to deteriorate in the North African country, uh, especially at the expense of the uh, Algerian uh, Christian community. Algerian authorities arrested Balul on uh, April 17th uh, after a raid on his house, charging him with illegal donations and collecting donations or accepting gifts without a license from the authorized departments. What? Balul? also faces additional charges under 2016 ordinance um, regulating non-Muslim worship significant or special uh, this is why I'm just I'm exhausted guys sorry uh, specifically targeting him as a Christian for disturbing for distributing Bibles Amnesty International officials called the law and Balul's conviction uh, discriminatory and urged for his release. Algerian authorities must immediately uh, squa squash? Quash? You guys got some typos in here. Uh, Fadil Balul's conviction uh, and drop all charges against him. Okay. And said Amna Gualali, Amnesty International's Deputy Director of the Middle East and North Africa. This discriminatory law is being used as a weapon to repress uh, those who do not follow uh, Islam in an assault against their fundamental freedoms Instead of targeting non-Islamic believers, Algeria authorities must work on protecting the right to freedom uh, of thought, consequence, religion, or belief, which includes the freedom to manifest that belief. <sighs> mm -hmm. I agree. Balul's case is one of many examples of religious discrimination from the Algerian government in recent years. The government also has arrested several members of minority religious communities under the blasphemy law, a law whose enforcement uh, the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.N. Human Rights Committee have both recognized as a human rights violation. Additionally, the Algerian government continues to prevent pro Protestant Protestant churches throughout the country from holding worship services and often ignores requests for information and attempts to have them reopen. The documented by Amnesty International Christian International Christian Concern and uh, several other NGOs, um, Algerian uh, human rights violations are blatant and need to be addressed by the international community. In its 2021 annual report, 
the U.S. Commission in International Religious Freedom recommended that I Algeria be placed in the State Department special watch list for countries that engage and tolerate severe violations of international religious freedom. ICC affirms this recommendation and urges the State Department to use this uh, designation to send a strong message to Algeria uh, that the United States will not tolerate the persecution from the Algerian government. Alright, I think we started and we're ending in India. Excuse me. Church leader calls on Modi to confront rising anti-Christian violence in India. Um, ICC reports today, this is actually put out today, according to the Union um, of Catholic Asian News, UCAN, um, the Archbishop of India's Madhya Pradesh state uh, has called on Prime Minister uh, Narendra Modi to act against rising anti-Christian violence in India. The church leader's call for help um, comes as a new report documents unprecedented levels of anti-Christian violence taking place in India. In a letter to Modi dated October 26th, Archbishop Leo Cornelio of uh, Bhopal um, asked Prime Minister to take effective steps to contain rising violence in, uh, against Christians. Um, the letter came five days after a report was released um, documenting rising levels of persecution against Christians. According to the report 305, 305, why did I say it like that? 305 incidents of persecution have been documented in just the first nine months of 2021. According to that report, Christians face persecution in 20 of India's 28 states, most of them ruled by Modi's uh, Bharatraya Janata Party, the BJP. Why do I try to pronounce when they have it abbreviated? Um, They recently... Uh, we're gonna read that again. Give me a second. Very recently, certain individuals and groups have stepped up a hate campaign against minority groups, especially Christians. Archbishop Cornelio said uh, in his two-page letter, rising religious fundamentalism and hatred is a threat to the growth of the nation. Archbishop Cornelio wants to, uh, the office of the Prime Minister to address the burning issue of violence against the Christians in the country. Father Maria uh, Stefan, public relations officer for the Catholic Church in Madhya Pradesh, told UCAN, um, Now even our prayer meetings are termed as religious conversion ceremonies and false cases are registered against the faithful. Um, Across India, attacks on Christians and their places of worship are increasing in both number and severity. The majority of these attacks are perpetuated by radical Hindu nationalists who believe India should be a Hindu nation. BJP politicians often use religiously intolerant political rhetoric to gain political support, fanning the flames of religious intolerance. Radical Hindu nationalists also enjoy near-complete impunity for their attacks on minorities, given the impression that they have a tacit approval of the BJP-led government in their operations against Christians and Muslims. Well, of course they do. 
that's what you call communism. They, uh, they want everything to be perfect in their own image, in their own way, and it's just not okay. Anyway, guys, thank you all for listening. I'm so happy and so grateful that if you reached the end of this uh, episode, thank you so much for being patient with me when I read that stuff. Uh, sometimes it's hard for me to read, sometimes it's not. It just depends on the day. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, prayers and thoughts and love, unconditional love and life uh, spoken over each country that I've talked about today. And I just want to thank you all for listening. I will see you in the trenches next time. Bye-bye.